Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, hey, good morning, Crosspoint. Good morning to all of you who are in this house. It's almost packed, if you can believe it. And of course, good morning to those of you who are joining us online. And if by being packed, I mean we're less than one-third capacity, but there's lots of people in the room, in case you're wondering. All right. Hey, uh, today we are in the second week of our teaching series called Travel Light. And uh, this is a series about unpacking. It's a series about releasing burdens, surrendering those parts of your life that are hindering you from moving forward with Jesus. Uh, if you have a Bible handy this morning, uh, I'm going to get you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to be reading from there in just a minute. Now, uh, today's topic, I'm going to be talking about letting go of distractions. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that I am very, very easily distracted. Uh, there are so many things that are vying for my Yeah, I should take this. Is that okay? All right, so it's going to take a minute. Sec. Hello? Oh, hi. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, you could have just texted me. Yeah. Okay, 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 I got a minute. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, you, you know what you can do? You just... First try unplugging it, and then plugging it back in again. Yeah, yeah, and it's a really common solution. Just wait 10 seconds, let it clear, then plug it back in again, okay? Yeah, I, I gotta go. What's that? Yeah, okay, sure, I can do that. Um, what, what kind do you want? Captain Crunch. Hello, diabetes! Okay, well, that's up to you. It's your funeral. All right, yeah, I can get that on the way home. Yeah, all right. Hey, listen, you know, I, I really need to go right now. I, I, I'm, in, I'm about to step into a meeting, and it's a pretty important one, okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, bye. I am so sorry about that. It's a good thing my ringer didn't go off. My goodness. Okay, um, anyway, uh, where was I? Distraction, yes. Okay, distraction. You know, the, the word distraction is super interesting. It actually comes from a Latin word, and the Latin word is distractus. And that word literally means to, to draw or pull apart. So if you can think of this imagery that comes to mind, it's a person being drawn and quartered, maybe between four elephants or four horses. They're going in a direction, and they're literally being stretched, okay? And I think a lot of us, when we think about our lives that we're in, that lives of distraction, that's sometimes how we feel. We feel like we're being pulled into all these different directions. And there are so many things that can distract us. And some of them seem relatively harmless. I mean, it, Uh, hi. Hey, psst, 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 psst. I'm working here. Yeah, okay, go, go ahead and go away. Leave us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Go the way of the dinosaurs. Make yourself extinct. Don't, don't let the meteor hit you on the way out. All right, well done. 
made a kid cry. That wasn't me. That was them. All right, where was I? Um, distractions, right. Okay, distractions. Uh, what is the problem with distractions? Well, here's the biggest problem with distractions. Distractions can steal your attention from the most important things in life. So you can lose focus. You can lose focus on your purpose. You can lose focus on your mission. You can lose focus on the God-given priorities that you have. And ultimately, you can lose your attention on your relationship with Jesus. So I want to talk about distraction this morning. But in order to talk about distraction, I actually first have to talk about attention. Because here's the thing. Distraction cannot exist apart from attention. Because you're always being distracted from something. Right? You're always being distracted from what you're supposed to be attending to, something else. And so I want us to consider this idea this morning. I want us to consider that the attentive life is the best life. And that, in fact, the attentive life is the kind of life that God intended for us. It's a life of completeness. It's a life of vigor and healing. But the enemy of the attentive life will always be distraction. All right, so to get there, uh, let's look at Proverbs chapter 4. And I'm going to read through the text, starting at verse 20, uh, up to the end of verse 27. And just invite you to, to follow along as I read. Here's what it says. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away your crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure and do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is the word of God. Now, now, the book of Proverbs is, is a book that's about the pursuit of wisdom. And if you read the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, it's really an introduction and an invitation to pursue wisdom throughout the book. And this section that we just looked at in chapter 4 is actually part of that invitation. Now, Proverbs teaches that, that uh, the path of wisdom ultimately leads towards life, but the path of folly ultimately leads towards destruction. And so because of this, God's words, which lead us down the path of wisdom, are paramount in the life of a believer. So this is why it says in verse 20, be attentive to my words. As a matter of fact, you'll actually hear this refrain time and again as you walk through the book of Proverbs. But not only in Proverbs, you actually find it as you walk through Scripture itself. It's always reminding us, pay attention to the Lord. Pay attention to his words. See, here's the thing. God is paying attention to you. God has his eye on you. God is mindful of you. And he invites you to do the same thing with him. So, so this invitation, it's interesting, this invitation to, to pay attention actually extends to other different aspects of your life and arenas of your life. So you, you see that the thing of it is, is each of us is called to be good stewards of the life that God has given us. So Scripture implores us and invites us to actually pay attention to those things that are in our life that God has given to us. So we are to be mindful of our families, mindful of our work, mindful of our assets and our relationships. We should be paying attention to our health and to our bodies. Because here's the thing is good stewards are attentive and they are attentive to this life that God has given him. 
But above all of these other things, God calls us to pay attention to the Lord and to his words. I mean, Hebrews 12, chapter 2 says this. It says we should fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. I I love what C.S. Lewis once wrote in his uh, fictitious letters to Malcolm. Here's what he said. He says, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere, incognito, and the incognito is not always hard to penetrate. The real labor is to remember, to attend. In fact, to come awake. Still more, to remain awake. So each and every one of us, we are invited into this attentive life where we are mindful of God throughout the day, but also where we make space to gaze upon God and to learn to hear from him. So what I'd like to do is just, I'd just like to make a few observations from the text about attentiveness. Here's the first one. Attentiveness leads to life. Verse 22, it says that God's words are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Now, just to be clear, attentiveness by itself does not lead to life, does not generate life. It is the object of our attentiveness. It is the goal of our attentiveness that ultimately gives us life. It's what we are attending to, and what we are attending to is Jesus and his words. So Jesus and his words are life to those who find them. I mean, Jesus said this in John chapter 6 and verse 33. He says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And then later he says of himself in John chapter 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus and his words are life. They are healing. And when we turn our attention towards them, he changes us. He transforms us. He gives us life. And there are millions of people across this planet, and millions of people throughout the centuries can attest to this truth. Attentiveness to Jesus leads to life. Here's a second observation. Attentiveness is a practice. Now, I don't know about you, but attentiveness does not come naturally. You actually have to work at it. But the more you work at it, the more natural it'll ultimately become. That's why in verse 23 it says this. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Did you notice that? Well, what's it saying? Well, it's saying be deliberate, right? It's saying be intentional, focus, concentrate, work at having a heart that is attentive to God's words. Now, why is this so important? Well, the author is very clear. He says it's because out of the heart flow springs of life. You know, in the the Hebrew understanding, the heart was the center of a person's being. The heart contained the mind, the will, the emotions. So your whole life, your whole person ultimately flows from your heart. And if your heart is bad, the rest of you will follow. Your heart is the wellspring of your life. So this is why you need to pay attention to what goes in your heart. This is why we need to be careful what our heart chooses to dwell on. We need to watch ultimately where our heart is heading or where our heart is going because we're going to follow that not long after. But uh, did you notice that Proverbs also calls every part of your being to attention? I love this. Notice it says, incline your ears. In other words, lean in. It says, fix your eyes straight ahead. Focus. It says, watch your mouth and what your mouth says. It says, keep your feet along the path. 
Pay attention to where you're going, right? So what this means is that attentiveness means, uh, involves every single part of your life. And all of this takes effort. It's not automatic. It's, it's something that you choose to practice and something you have to work at. But here's the thing. Is the more you practice, the more you work at it, the better you become at it. Do you remember learning how to ride a bike? Most of you, this is pretty common experience for most people. You remember learning how to ride a bike, and uh, maybe you had training wheels, maybe you didn't, I don't know, but you remember at first when the training wheels came off or when you first tried, just how wobbly and awkward it was, how tippy it was, right? How hard it was to turn, right, when you're riding a bike? I mean, I, I, I didn't have training wheels grow up, growing up. I mean, we were too poor for training wheels, so my training wheels were my older brother's. I mean, they just put me on the bike, and they would run, and they'd push and get it going to really high velocity, and then they'd let go. Okay, that was my training wheels, and then I was like, oh, I had to figure out how to ride this bike, right? Well, the first time I did this, I can remember, the first time they let go of that bike, I could, had no control over this thing whatsoever. Bam, went right into, the, into a hedge. I got all cut up, got up all bruised, but I'll tell you what, I learned very quickly to ride a bike. And what I did was I practiced, right? And I practiced. And I focused so that I could learn how to ride that bike in very short time. So now, today, of course, I don't even have to think about riding a bike because I practiced. In every way, in every way, attentiveness is also a learned practice. And at the beginning, it's going to take a lot of concentration. But the more you practice, the more it's going to become a habit. And the more it starts to become a habit, the more it starts to become part of you until eventually it changes your values and it changes your character. But here's the thing. Like any other learned skill, attentiveness can get out of practice. You can actually get rusty with your attentiveness. You can get a bit flabby around the edges. I mean, anyone who's played a musical instrument knows this to be true. Right? When you stop playing, you stop learning, and you actually don't get better, you get worse. The famous pianist Ignacy Jan Paderewski once stated this, If I miss one day of practice, I notice it. If I miss two days, the critics notice it. If I miss three days, the audience notices it. In the same way, we can get out of practice with paying attention to God and what he has planned for our lives. And when that happens we can lose our edge. Hebrews 2.1 actually warns us about this. It warns us about the danger of not paying attention. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You see, if we stop paying attention to Jesus and his words, it's almost like a spiritual amnesia can start to take place. It starts to set in. And then we become like this boat without an anchor. That's, that's a, a jeopardy of crashing into a reef. And when we forget the Lord, it can lead to apathy, or, or it can lead to cynicism, or, or it can lead to this false sense of security in ourselves. And ultimately, what that can lead towards is drift and temptation, and temptation can ultimately lead to our own destruction. Because here's the thing about the enemy. He is waiting. He is waiting for us to turn our attention from the Lord. It says he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking who he might devour. What does the lion look after? Who is the lion looking after? It's looking after the one who's vulnerable. It's looking after the animal that's not paying attention. He's seeking who he might devour. So it's all the more important that we, as believers in Christ, pay closer attention. 
Well, here's the third observation. Attentiveness requires directing your activities. You'll notice this in verse 27. It says, do not swerve to the right or, or to the left. And, and it's interesting. This is actually how the Bible often talks about distraction. Um, attentiveness, it would say, is like looking forward and following the straight path. But distraction, it's more like fishtailing on the road until ultimately you end up in one ditch or the other. Now, I own a truck. My truck has a rear-wheel drive. It's not a great truck, but I love my truck. I will not, I will cry the day it dies. Okay, I love my truck. But my rear-wheel drive is a real problem in the winter. In the winter, I know all about swerving, and I know all about fishtailing. I, I've actually had a number of near-death experiences in my truck just because it's a rear-wheel drive. So what have I done is I, I've, I've taken steps to make sure my truck doesn't swerve. I've put a ton of weight in the back of my truck. I spent money on really, really, really good winter snow tires. All of this to mitigate the problem of swerving and fishtailing. I've also found that if you want to focus your attention, you need to take steps to make sure that you're not swerving and fishtailing. You need a plan. You need some, some best practices, some rhythms in your life to help you along the journey. So this is what I mean by directing your activities. So let me talk about a couple of steps. Let me, let me talk about directing your time. And let me talk about directing your distractions this morning. Get, let's get really practical. First of all, directing your time. Let's be honest this morning. Everyone here has limited time. Everyone online, you, you have limited time. Time is a non-renewable resource in your life. And as a matter of fact, you don't know how much time you have in your life. So because our time is limited, it is important that we make the best use of the time that we have before us. Uh, you read this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, Look carefully then how you walk. He's talking about your life, your spiritual life. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. So, see, we don't know when we will die. We don't know when Jesus will return. But we do know that each and every one of us is accountable for how we use our time in this life. And Paul says we can choose to use it wisely, or we could choose to use it foolishly. I love how the, the poet, Mary Oliver, ends her poem, Summer Day. Here's what she says. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Let's just sit in that for a moment. Here's the thing. If you do not control your time, your time will control you. Because here's the thing. Your, your time tends to flow towards those things in your life that require minimal effort. It doesn't take a lot of effort to watch Netflix. It doesn't take a lot of effort to play Fortnite. Now, to become really, really good at Fortnite so you become an international superstar, that takes a lot of effort, okay? But to just play Fortnite, it doesn't take a lot of effort. But it is very easy for both of these things to just devour your time. Time also tends to flow towards what is most urgent. 
Urgency is a time killer. And so many people in our culture today are suffering with an urgency addiction. And much of this has just been accelerated by technology. It's almost like the, tr the trained pets doing flips and tricks just for that next dopamine fix or that next adrenaline rush. We are addicted to urgency in our culture. But here's the thing. Not, not everything that is urgent is important. Did you know that you don't need to read and respond to that text immediately? Did you know that you don't actually need up-to-the-minute news reporting? You do not always need that Amazon order to arrive today. It could probably wait a week. It really could. So what's urgent, or what we think is urgent, is not always important. And we often confuse the difference between urgency and importance. But being attentive, a person who is attentive, means you're willing to place what's important above what is urgent. Now, sometimes things are urgent and important. Then those are the things you really got to do, right? But for the most part, to live an attentive life means that you're going to be willing to put what is important above what's urgent. So it's about directing your time and your energy always towards importance so that in life you are always acting and not always reacting. Now when you examine the life of Jesus, you get this clear picture that this was a person who was guided by importance. Jesus had a clear mission. Jesus had a clear set of priorities that led him and governed his life and mission. And, and it's interesting, there are these stories where people sometimes try to redirect Jesus away from his mission. Or redirect Jesus away from what he was supposed to be doing. And instead to try and get Jesus to come along with their agenda. But Jesus oftentimes made responses like, hey, you know what, it's not my time for that. Or that's not my mission this is my mission. Now, sure, sometimes Jesus allowed his life to be interrupted. Interrupted by a demoniac. Interrupted by a woman who was uh, suffering with bleeding. Interrupted by a person whose son was dying. Jesus allowed his life to be interrupted. But it's really fascinating is that he simply incorporated these interruptions into his overall mission that he had. For my household, if I could get really personal here, the Chartrand household, we have always tried to have a set of priorities that governed our lives. And, and we look to Scripture for these priorities for us in terms of levels of importance. So for me personally, it's Christ, it's my wife Karen, it's my two daughters, and then it's my ministry. Jesus is my first love, which, you know, the book of Revelation, I think, would say it should be true of all of us. Jesus should be our first love. But the Bible also says that if a man cannot manage his own family well, he has no business managing the affairs of the church. And Karen and I have taken that very, very seriously. And so we have framed our lives around these priorities. You know, there's, there's an old saying that says, do not sacrifice your children on the altar of ministry. And we heard that when our children were very, very young, and we took it to heart. And so we made a choice very early on in our ministry that our family wouldn't never would always come before the success of our ministry and there were things that i could have done conferences i could have gone to things i could have been involved in and all that and we said no because family and my relationship with karen is more important than the success of my ministry and so because of this i have always sought to nurture my relationship with my wife 
I have pursued her. I, she is the most important person outside of Jesus in my world. And because of this, we have always sought to be very attentive in our daughter's lives. So we didn't skip out on a lot of recitals or volleyball games. We spent a lot of sleepless nights in hotel rooms during volleyball tournaments, okay? We, we ate dinner with our children around the table. We prayed with them every night before bedtime. I made ridiculous home movies together. I put on princess crowns and played the silly Barbie game as a dad, okay? We were very present in our children's lives. And why did we do that? It's because of importance. Putting first things first according to God's standards and what he would have for each and every one of us. Did we do it perfectly every time? Absolutely not. We made a lot of blunders and mistakes along the way. But I can attest to you this this morning, is that when you allow Jesus to frame your priorities and your values, it is life-giving. It is healing. It is worth it. Let me ask you this morning, how are you directing your time? What do you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Well, not only do you need to direct your time, you need to direct your distractions. The most powerful destroyer of attention in your life is distraction. And distractions will keep you from fulfilling God's purposes over your life. They will keep you from using the gifts that God has given you. They will keep you from making his priorities your priorities. Now, most distractions aren't necessarily bad, okay? Uh, you might know the story of Mary and Martha. It's found in Luke chapter 10. They had Jesus over for dinner. It's a very well-known story. And, of course, it says at, the, at that time, Mar Mary sat at the feet of Jesus like a disciple. Meanwhile, Martha was distracted by all the things that needed to get done to get ready for dinner and to get the house prepared. And, of course, eventually Martha got flustered, right? And so she says to Jesus, listen, I'm doing all this stuff. Tell Mary to help me. And Jesus says, you know, Martha, you're, you're, you're very anxious about a lot of things. But Mary has chosen one thing, okay? And it is the better thing. So what's interesting in that story is now Jesus didn't tell Martha that her work was wrong. But he did say that Mary, what Mary had chosen was better. And most often when it comes to distractions, we aren't choosing between the good and the bad. Oftentimes we're choosing between what is good and what is best. Now, I would be an absolute failure this morning if I did not talk about our biggest cultural distraction. Can you guess what it is? A recent study from the U.S. Center for Disease Control studied 32,000 people in this study. And they found that the average person has only five hours of free time per day. This is free time that's more to get, do what you want to do rather than what you have to do. So free time doesn't include work, schoolwork, family care, domestic chores, personal care like eating, grooming, going to the bathroom, etc., etc. Okay? So five hours of free time a day the average person has. You may have more, you may have less, but that's the average. What do you think people spent the most time doing with their free time? The average person spent three hours and 13 minutes of their free time with screen time in front of a screen. And that's compared to the average woman spent 14, hour, 14 minutes a day in exercise and the average man spent 24 minutes a day in exercise. At least they're exercising. That's good. Okay. 
Three hours and 13 minutes looking at a screen. And imagine if you look at a screen all day long anyway. Now, of course, there are other distractions besides screen time. Lots of different distractions in our lives. Let me ask you this morning. Do you know what yours are? Let me frame the question a little bit differently this morning. Do the people who know you best know what yours are? How would they answer that question? Distraction is like attentiveness in that the more you practice it, the more distracted you become. You actually can get good at it until eventually distractions begin to control your life. They become learned behaviors, natural impulses. This is why a lot of people cannot go 10 minutes without picking up their phone. Okay? It's not that they need to pick up their phone. It's just that they've learned to pick up their phone. If you do not control your distractions, your distractions ultimately will control you. And this is why I think it's, it's so important to be mindful and direct your distractions. To put up boundaries around your distractions, all right? To develop rhythms and practices and promises to yourself that you're going to make that are going to help you control the distractions that are in your life. Because again, if you do not control your distractions, your distractions will control you. So let me give you some ideas this morning. You can love me or hate me for them, okay? But I'm saying it because I love you, okay? Consider these things. <laughs> Turn off all the not notifications on your devices. Your computers, your phones, turn them all off. Your lights and your sounds, get rid of them. That way, if you hear a sound or see a light, you won't be tempted to reach for your phone because your phone is training you. Number two, uh, set up a time to check email and messages. Make a date with yourself. I'm only going to check it at these times. Number three, set up a time and time limit on your social media and media consumption. Make an agreement with yourself and your spouse and your family and your Lord. Don't take your phone to bed or to dinner. Plug it somewhere else in the house, okay? Plug it in somewhere else. Don't take it there. But it's my alarm clock. You can buy an alarm clock at Canadian Tire for under 10 bucks. Trust me, okay? It doesn't have to be your alarm clock. Don't take it. Stop looking at your phone one hour or any device before bedtime. Studies demonstrate you will have a better sleep if you don't do that. If you do that, put it away an hour before bedtime. Read a book or pray, okay? Um, pray in a room that doesn't have access to electronic devices. I, I tell you, I, I'll be praying. Dear Lord, you know, I pray for so-and-so. And Lord, I need this and blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly I have my phone. How did that happen? You know, right? It's, like, it's just like I, I'm like a trained gorilla. Put that away. Put it in another room and you don't even think about it. Make mealtimes a phone-free zone for your family. And even if you're tempted to find that answer on Google, don't do it. Set times where you are not distractible. And I'm talking about all your other distractions. And this might mean making agreements or schedules with your distractions with other people. But let me say this. This is why Jesus got up early in the morning and he went to a solitary place and he prayed. Because if you think Jesus, Jesus didn't have a mobile phone, but if you think Jesus wasn't distracted with throngs of people saying, heal me, teach me, fulfill my mission, 
Jesus was distracted. And so he set up a time where he would not be distractible. So, friends, I just say all this is important. You direct your distractions because they will destroy your attentive life. If you do not control your distractions, your distractions will control you. So, as we close, one, one exercise I found helpful is what I would call the paper plate exercise. Okay? It's really simple to do. I hope that you would maybe consider doing it when you get home today um, or at some point and do it with somebody you love and who's going to be able to kind of hear what you have to say. But I say grab yourself a paper plate and I want you to imagine that this paper plate represents your life. And not only represents your life, but it represents all you do with your wild and precious life, this paper plate. Okay? Let me ask you the question. What are the things that are on your plate right now? Sleep, okay, about a third of your life is spent sleeping, if you're lucky, okay? Work, school, family, a significant other for some of you, serving opportunities, the things you're doing, spiritual disciplines and practices, uh, friends, fitness, hobbies, entertainment, Fortnite, Netflix, all of these things. They're on your plate, right? This is your plate. This is your life, and there's things on it. You might even get a marker and write these things on your plate just, just to see it all, all this stuff that's in your life. And here's something you need to realize, okay? We all have different sized plates. Some of you have larger plates, and some of you have smaller plates. And that's not, that's not talking about the stuff you have on your plate. That's talking about your capacity to do things, okay? Some of you are higher capacity people, and because of that, you have higher plates, okay? You can carry more on your plates. You can accomplish more. Maybe you have more energy. Maybe you're just very efficient, but you're a high capacity person. Some of you are a little bit lower capacity person. Because of that, you have a smaller plate, and that's neither good nor bad, okay? Maybe you just want a simpler life, or maybe it is you just take your time, or maybe it is that you're not gung-ho about being this type A type of personality. I don't know what it is. Neither plate size is good or bad, but you just need to acknowledge you have a different plate size than other people. I'm a big plate kind of a person. I, I, I can have a whole lot on my plate at, at, a, at, a, at a single time. I, I like that, okay? But neither is better nor worse. Another thing to note, this plate is going to look different in different seasons of your life. So in some seasons of your life, your plate's going to be bigger and you can handle more. In other seasons, your plate is going to be smaller. There might be seasons in your life where you just feel you have less energy. Or maybe there's a health crisis in your life. Or there's seasons in your life where you feel like you've got more free time than you ever did, right? There's lots, to, lots you could do, right? And in different seasons of your life, your plate might have more on it than normal. Parents with young kids, I get it. I've been there, okay? You, we know what's on your plate. <laughs> right? Your, your plate is very, very, very full, especially, I mean, especially in non-COVID type seasons, right, where you're running to activities, and you're doing all that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very full life, okay? So you're going to have, in different seasons, more or less on your plate. So your plate is going to look very different in every season, but I want to point something out to you. We are all in a season right now, and it's the season of COVID. And, and this is a different season than we've ever seen before. And the problem is, is that many people are still trying to do life with the plate they had before COVID. And they're not, they haven't rethought their plate. They haven't redesigned their plate to say, what does my plate look like right now? 
with all of the restrictions, with all of the extra work or less work, with all of the family being cooped up, what does my plate look like right now? You are in a different season. I think it's important that you acknowledge that as you think about your plate. And now the final point is this. No matter how big your plate is, if there is too much on your plate, you know that phrase, stuff has got to come off. Because here's the thing. You are not God. You do not have unlimited time. You do not have unlimited resources. Only God has that. And only God can have an infinite amount of work on his plate. You cannot. And so because of that, stuff has got to come off. And if you put unimportant stuff in your plate, what's going to come off of your plate? The important stuff. But if you, put, if you want to put important stuff on your plate, what's got to come off? The unimportant stuff. you got to get rid of the distractions. And so the question I think that's important is when you do this exercise, is to say, to, okay, what, what, what's the most important stuff on my plate? Maybe you want to circle that, okay? And then you say, what's the stuff that's not really that important? And maybe you might want to put a line through some of those things, okay? And what's the stuff that's got to come off my plate? Scratch that stuff out. And rethink your life to determine what's most important and what you need to be most attentive to. I, I'm, I'm just being really, really practical here. And I hope that's an exercise that you can do. You can do that with your family. You can do that by yourself. You can do it with some friends, whatever, and show them your plate. Now, the question is, what will you do with your one wild and precious life? And in all of this, I do not want to lose sight of the why. Your life and your time must be understood in light of the gospel. What did Jesus do with his one wild and precious life? Jesus gave his best life for your life so that your best life might be his life to lead. So give Jesus your one wild and precious life and allow him to lead it and to guide it let's pray together let's just pause for a moment in silence and just allow god to to commune with us i just want to encourage you to just for a moment say god what would you have me to do? I think that's the disciples' question. I want to give you a moment just to reflect, to talk to God about that. And maybe within that, there will be some surrendering, some repenting, some seeking of wisdom. Take a moment. Talk to God about that. Lord, we thank you that you are mindful of us. 
that your eye is on us, that you're paying attention to every part of our lives, and nothing is hidden from your sight. Lord, would you teach us to turn our attention towards you and the things that matter most to you? Lord, would you help us to remove those parts of our lives that are eroding our attention? Lord, we do this all because you gave your one life for us that we might have life abundant. So we praise you and we give you thanks now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.